Hello, this is Drink the Music. A podcast where each week we listen to an album, make a cocktail, and have a chat about it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the music. Well, hello and welcome to volume 11 of Drink the Music. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela and Michaela a couple years ago, uh, it's 2019, we went to a concert um, together and we saw uh, Beck and Cage the Elephant perform, you know, so we put those albums up to a vote on Patreon and Beck won, uh, but it was kind of, it was kind of weird. It was a weird timing, uh, you know, in my, in my mind subconsciously, uh, because we just went to a wedding with uh, people that we also went to the concert with uh, this weekend. So, uh, so the timing was right. But, you know, when it was time to come to pick an album from Beck, I mean, you have you have like the, you know, one of the, one of the greats, right? Odelay that has all of like the Beck bangers. Mm. You have Sea Change, uh, which is another uh, highly regarded record from Beck. You've got uh, Midnight Vultures, which I think was nominated for uh, album of the year. So there were a lot of good ones, but finally broke through in 2014 with Morning Phase, uh, which did, spoiler, go on to win album of the year. But I wanted to talk about it, but Michaela, because you and I, if people have been listening to the podcast, know uh, we've been doing a lot of traveling, spending a lot of time in cars, spending a lot of time in planes. Um, and to me, something as atmospheric and beautiful uh, is really suited for the road here in morning phase. So uh, I don't know, Michaela, let's talk about Beck here for, for just a second. We're kids of the 90s. We know those songs, right? Loser. Uh, two turntables and a microphone where it's at. Uh, we knew That's that. Right. But what what about Morning Phase? Uh, so I hadn't really heard Morning Phase much. Um, I think that when we saw them in concert, uh, this had not come out yet. Or maybe there were a couple singles that came out. Because I remember some songs that I hadn't heard before. And I'm pretty sure they were from this album. Um, but there was a lot going on during that concert. Because it, it was the first time that we had met our friend, um, uh, so uh, there was a lot of conversations happening, but I remember being really overwhelmed with that atmospheric sound. And I was like, what is this? And I think it was you who was like, this is the new album, Michaela, where have you been? And so I remember listening to it then um, and being kind of knocked out by just how calming and soothing it is. And and every every song um, or every album kind of has a mood, right? And mm. Beck is really well known for being really creative and just very original in kind of their uh, musical aesthetic of what they're exploring. And every album kind of does a little something different. And this kind of knocked everything out of the park uh, in terms of it being different and special and kind of awesomely derived. And so uh, that's one of the reasons I think why you have had it on vinyl for years. <laughs> And uh, and it was an easy choice, easy choice for us to come together and pick. It was an easy choice. And this this is the perfect album for your uh, vinyl record uh, setting. And we're going to talk about that here when we get into the album. But before we do that, let's uh, catch everyone up on who who is Beck. Who is Beck? What's Beck? What's a Beck, Michaela? Uh, Beck is Beck David Hansen, uh, a.k.a. Beck, was born in 1970 in Los Angeles. Uh, as a teenager, the young Beck starts playing and learning music, primarily folk and country and blues music. Uh, his parents, uh, his mom was an artist, his dad was a musician, so it made sense that he was going to go into some sort of uh, artistic endeavor. So uh, music was his uh, one of choice there. Uh, Beck decides to go uh, to New York City to try his hand at being a starving artist, 
does that pretty well. Starves is an artist uh, and goes back to L.A. to be a starving artist uh, on the West Coast. But, uh, you know, some good things are about to happen uh, for, for Beck here. Uh, gets uh, gets kind of noticed in some just open mic night kind of things and uh, performances by some talent scouts. And they give him a little bit of a hand um, in getting uh, this song pressed onto vinyl. Uh, that song is Loser. It gets pressed onto 500 copies of a vinyl record, uh, which is weird to think that that song at one point was only on 500 <laughs> vinyl records right. uh, but those records made their way out to some radio stations um and basically uh just a- explodes uh back into the world right so it hits a big it makes it up to number 10 on the billboard charts but it had all the makings and beck knew this and uh beck was very scared um and very standoffish about that he's like He's like, I'm going to be a one hit wonder. This is this is my one hit. This is the one hit wonder. He was very protective of that. Very scared of that. Um, very kind of combative about it. Um, almost almost to a fault. But that's okay because he went home and said, I need to start writing albums that are you know these linear kind of stories instead of just a collection of songs, which is what that first album was there. So he goes home. He comes up with Odelay, which comes out in 1996. Uh, you know where it's at. A Devil's Haircut, New Pollution, uh, three huge songs, um, and now. Beck is no longer a one-hit wonder. He is a uh, multiple uh, hit wonder, uh, Grammy-winning artist. In fact, three Grammy wins and two no- nominations for Album of the Year for Odelay and then 2000's Midnight Vultures. Uh, but Beck would finally win that Grammy for Album of the Year in 2014 with Morning Phase. Morning Phase, indeed. Uh, and this this film, or this film, wow. And this album, you know, when you look it up and you're, if you're interested in what other people had to say about it, um, this was um, really regarded as kind of an answer to. Yeah, it's kind of a companion piece to Sea Change. Sea Change. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And so this, it's really interesting because if you listen to Sea Change, it definitely has a different vibe, but it's, it's got this. I think it's interesting that you say that he's made the decision to tell an entire story rather than just a collection of songs, because I definitely felt that entire story kind of unravel and then kind of re 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 braid itself kind of halfway through and create its, its own ending. Um, And we'll talk more about what I mean with that, but like, I felt like every song was just kind of a continuation. Um, And we talk a lot about, how we consume music differently, right? And I love playlists, um, but I have really been trying for the purpose of this podcast to listen to music the way you listen to music, Brian, which is like you turn on your hi-fi and you put your vinyl on and you just sit there and listen to it from beginning to end and you only get up when you have to turn it. Um, And I think that that is exactly how it was intended to be created with this particular album because you will miss it. You will miss something if you just listen to the songs. Um, Mm -hmm. even, even if you're just kind of listening to them in order, it's much more powerful if you're sitting there and kind of experiencing this album. Yeah, exactly. This, um, this album is as like exact and precise as an album, uh, could possibly be. And, uh, I'm very excited to to talk about it and get your kind of reaction to it, Michaela, because I knew when we picked this one, that this wasn't an album you were probably going to be very familiar with. So, uh, let's do this, Michaela. Let's, uh, take a quick break. We're going to go, we're going to mix up a cocktail, which is going to be, you know, reminiscent of the, of the feeling, the visuals, uh, the nuance, uh, of this album. I'm going to do that. It's going to be delicious. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to get this week's drink going. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So Brian, I love gin. And I really have you to thank for that uh, because I didn't... Gin, gin, gin. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Um, but I think one of my favorite gins is a gin that you bought me, I think, for my 40th birthday because mm. it's a beautiful color and it tastes lovely. And um, I have since drank that bottle. I mean, that I don't think that bottle made it the first like night that you gave it to me. But um, since then, I have been a huge fan of Empress Gin. And I think that this um, cocktail concoction really pays homage to everything uh, that is in this new album or this album that we're talking about because it's beautiful. It's got a lot of kind of, I don't know, esotericness to it. It's and it's got lemonade. I mean, what does what what could? <laughs> yeah, every, every, every good, best, every good, every good thing needs uh, lemonade. Uh, when life gives you lemon, turn them into lemonade. Um, there you go. Maybe, maybe that's the theme of the album. I don't know. That's that's a little that's a little too deep for me. Might might be a bit of a stretch, but not far off, not far off. But yeah, I found this uh, I found this recipe, Michaela. It's called Light the Beam. Um, it comes specifically from Empress Gin. There are a lot of other uh, kind of imitators to Empress Gin now making uh, butterfly pea uh, or gins out there. Um, you can you can find one. There's some that are local to us. If you can't find uh, the Empress, it is pretty widely distributed now, so you shouldn't have too much trouble uh, finding that or try one of your local ones. But basically, you're just doing it for that color. Uh, you just use regular gin, too, if you're uh, just interested in getting the flavors here. But uh, this is dead simple, Michaela. Uh, fill up yeah. your, uh, your Collins glass with some ice, and you're going to go with one and a half ounces, or you're going to go with four ounces of lemonade, and then you're going to uh, just pour in this one and a half ounces of the Empress gin on top, and it's going to kind of kind of float and hang out there on top for a little bit and kind of straight down, and it looks uh, beautiful and kind of dreamlike and uh, kind of like this, uh, I don't know, like this dusk where the stars are about to come out, um, and it has... You know, it's it's gin and lemonade, so you know it's very simple, um, but it has kind of the subtle elegance to it. Um, you know, you get kind of those those aromatic notes from the gin uh, that are that are just there, kind of kind of playing around, kind of like this album, right? It's pretty pretty straightforward, but you know, the more you listen to it and the more you pay attention to it, you're like, there is a whole bunch of nuance here uh, that's going on, which is really really pretty magical. Um, now, I did something uh, else, Michaela. Um, I had some lemonade, so I went ahead and made that, but I also have a bottle of Franklin and Sons Sicilian Lemon Tonic. So if you want to do a gin and tonic version of this, uh, search some of that out. That is a pretty good uh, tonic, nice and light and summery. So uh, that's a way to go. But but what do you think, Michaela? Gin and lemonade. That's that's pretty simple, but not too bad. Not too bad at all. I think the key is going to be the type of lemonade that you use, right? If you're real fancy and bougie, you can make your own. Um, you can buy your own. Uh, they have sparkling lemonade. I bet you could Beck add that to it. Beck probably makes his own. Beck probably Pro makes Beck his own. Beck probably <laughs> makes his own. And it's like vegan and super great and made from like lemons that have only been kissed by the sun, like on <laughs> odd days or something. I don't know. Um, I mean, it would be that precise, right? Like he, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. right. And that delicious. So it really is going to kind of depend um, if you... Uh, I, I recommend seeking out like a real decent lemonade rather than using just kind of the basic stuff that you would give uh, a child, um, because that's really going to help um, bring and, and add kind of nuance to this because it is very nuanced. I mean, and again, 
Empress Gin, it's one of the, I mean, it is one of my favorite gins out there, not just because it's beautiful, but I really love the flavor profile. Um, I really like that it's not super junipery and it's not super floral, but it's just floral enough, just delicate enough. Um, it's, it's, this is really good. Um, and it's refreshing, um, which is nice because uh, we're going to be in this like emotional wasteland for, mm. I don't know, the 55 minutes that this album is or something. So if you're going to do that, you want, you want to hold, you want something comforting and beautiful to hold on to. And, and, and why not? And why not? Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. So mix up. I like the beam, send us pictures because it's awfully pretty and uh, make sure you're going to have one in hand if you're going to be listening to Morning Phase with us. But uh, for now, Michaela, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll mix up another one of these cocktails and we'll be right back to chat about 2014's Morning Phase. Bye, Beck. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so the year was 2014. Beck Morning Phase comes out, Michaela, and it is uh, an audible experience for sure. Uh, it, it reminds me of something you might hear, like a planetarium or something, uh, as this thing gets started off here with Cycle. Um, it's this is string intro, um, and I, it feels like it's a part of like some documentary about like the vastness of space. Um, it's a little existential; it makes you feel very small, uh, very powerless uh, to this uh, this uh, mm. this sort of concert that Beck's going to be uh, getting into, and it leads into the second track here, "Morning," uh, which opens on this uh, acoustic guitar chord. Um, that bridges into the first song here of the album. Uh, the acoustic guitar chord, they had to have spent like three days tuning that thing. It is the most precise sounding guitar chord I've ever heard in my life. Um, it's amazing. Uh, it sounds so good uh, with headphones on, which is why uh, this album you know, wins a Grammy for best uh uh, audio uh, engineering, uh, which is pretty great. Um, but morning, it's a tale of dark nights and new beginnings um, about a relationship that has, you know, a chance to start over kind of every morning. Uh, it has a very uh, stargazy uh, kind of feeling, I think is what the kids say uh, when they're talking about uh, music and uh, atmospheres like this. And so, you know, kind of kind of the way that the the vocal pitch and an emphasis on this morning where his voice kind of kind of rises up, it makes the morning feel very important. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I've got to say it was early. Uh, the sun was coming up as I was listening to this for the sake of the album. And it was a beautiful way for Cycle to just kind of slide effortlessly into the song that is morning. The synthesization, um, it felt like a sunrise. It, I, I, it, And it sounded like a sunrise. Like, mm. it, amazing. And then, of course, it makes all the sense in the world that we have this song uh, where you're waking up in the morning and having to make decisions about your day. Um, I found it to be kind of a sorrowful, pensive tone to it and really trying to decide. I mean, I think you can, you can take this song two ways, right? Where if a relationship is going well, you're thinking about how am I going to make this day continue to make it great? I'm going to go back to the beginning of when you're first in love and keep that feeling or if your relationship is on your last legs, you're like, man, do I, can, can we start over? Should we start over? What do I want to do here? Right. And it was kind of yeah. really neat because I listened to this album a couple times. And the first time 
I listened to it. I really thought it was the second way. And then, mm-hmm. um, then I, then I listened to it again and thought, well, maybe it's, it's juxtaposed and it's actually the other, um, where it's more hopeful and and more loving and, and kind of more positive, um, which is, which is, it sounds kind of both. And I thought that that was something that was super genius about this particular song and the way mm. that this album just kind of sets off because uh, it's a choose your own adventure here in, in, <laughs> in morning phase um, yeah. and in Beckland, right. And wherever you are in your life is probably exactly where this album is going to find you. And that is inspired music making. That is amazing. Yeah, it's really kind of ambiguous, right? I mean, you get like in verse two, it's um, saying, uh, you know, like we've worn it all down into something that couldn't be saved. You tore it all down and bury me underneath the weight, uh, which is pretty heavy. But then, you know, you get to to kind of the kind of the, you know, next, you know, kind of the the next little like hook bit. And it's like, I let down my defenses this morning. It was just you and me, right? Like you still have like the chance to kind of rectify the situation. So if you want to look at it uh, pretty darkly, you can. If you want to look at it as uh, more uh, hopeful or optimistic, uh, you can. I think that the the album itself here gets a, a little less optimistic as we as we roll roll through the uh, the tracks here, um, yeah. you know, kind of going through the story. But that is uh, two morning. Uh, it's a beautiful song. And then we get into one of the singles here, uh, Heart as a Drum. So Beck actually performed this at the Grammys, the year that this was uh, nominated and won there. He performed it uh, alongside of Chris Martin, a fellow Drink the Music alum there from the uh, Coldplay albums. Beck and Chris Martin, that's like a it's like a power couple uh, right there for sure. Um, there's kind of like this heartbeat, uh, like percussion and a little churning bass groove that goes through there. And it's uh, kind of like a like a very tragic poem of not charting your own path and living your own life, right? You're kind of kind of in the in the wheels of of this life and you're not able to do your own thing. It says, uh, it's beating me down day after day. It's turning me around till all my days are drowning out, uh, which is pretty sad. And uh, it's kind of a tale about, you know, getting getting lost like in like in the shuffle or the, uh, you know, just kind of kind of the day to day of living your life and not doing your own thing. And I think it's a, a nice little follow up to to morning there. Maybe um, maybe as you're getting dressed, right, or having having some coffee, you're really thinking about the way things are going. Yeah. Yeah. When I think I really liked um it was this rhythmic pull that I felt to something kind of otherworldly uh, in this. And that is when um, this instrumental kind of warmth, uh, we talk about cool and warmth when it comes to color schemes and paintings, but I definitely felt like this was a warm song um, in, in that you just felt wrapped in kind of a blanket. Um, mm-hmm. If music was a slow, I, in my notes, I, ha- I have, if music was a slow burning blaze, this would be an ember, right? Like it's just this very, um, I don't know, kind of loving lorn uh, blanket that I felt wrapped in, which makes sense because it's atmospheric. It's supposed to cover you, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you make a make a good point uh, when you bring up the fact this is kind of like a slow burn. And we talk about that, you know, uh, with movies, you know, when we're talking about movies and things that sometimes these stories are really slow burns and you have to, you know, just kind of let the let the story just kind of slowly wash over you. And that's exactly what's happening here. This is a a slow burn as slow burns uh, go in terms of an album. Um, And uh, it's going to keep, you know, keeps right on carrying on throughout this uh, this whole uh, 
really kind of the the first, I don't know, like 11, 11 songs of that were kind of telling this story here. Uh, so we get into track number four, um, which is uh, Say Goodbye. It's one of my favorite songs here um, on the album. It's got like this finger pick guitar part uh, that's uh, pretty lovely sounding. Um, and I love kind of these little like very simple metaphors of all the way that, you know, like in this relationship that that you're saying goodbye right without actually saying it's it it's you know it's uh saying things you know the curtains are drawn you know and she is gone and um you know it's saying you know see the sleep and you know the quiet streets and things so it's it's all like these little like visual uh metaphors of things that have you know like i don't know for for lack of a better example because i'm not the not the genius of beck here but you know it's like all the things you do when you leave your house for the day that doesn't necessarily say that you're leaving the house for the day right you close your curtains you you uh you know put change in your pocket you do you do all those things before you leave for the day so it's all these like nonverbal uh things here and i really i really think that it's that's interesting kind of kind of poetry here in track four say goodbye yeah i think when you when you take the lyrics um, in and of itself as a poem, it to me, it was very much a relationship that, um, you know, maybe goodbye happened a long time ago. And for whatever reason, attention wasn't paid, to, maybe on both sides, right? Like somebody didn't know that they were letting somebody go. Um, but it's, and it's not, this is just, the lyrics kind of move from this is how you say goodbye to this is how we say goodbye. And so both uh, like I said, at the beginning of this, like it's an unraveling, this album seems to be like an unraveling of, re of a relationship. And when, you know, if you've had relationships, friendships or romantic relationships in your life, when you really um, look back on them in their entirety from beginning to end, it's uh, very easy, I think, to say, oh, it ended on this date because that's when I broke up or that's when we had that big fight. But if you're um, really self-aware uh, or listening to Beck, I don't know, on your back porch, uh, you can think, well, actually, I really think it ended months before that when I did this for the first time or I did this for the last time. And mm -hmm. it's um, saying goodbye to a relationship in phases like that really, um, I don't know, that's what I thought of when I heard this. And it, it, mm -hmm. it it's one of my favorite songs on this album. It really shook me. Um, because when I think about friendships that have ended or, or just changed or relationships that have been irreparably, uh, changed, you know, when did that change begin? If we're really honest with ourselves, it wasn't when we, you say the words goodbye, it was probably a long time before and, and all of that. And I, I, I combined with, um, this really cool guitar, the change to the guitar that happens kind of, I, I want to say it's at the bridge. It's kind of the midpoint of the song, um, I really thought that that was really a neat touch because it added this kind of delicate tingy to it, mm -hmm. tinniness that was um, really pleasant, um, even though you're listening to something that was kind of heart wrenching. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a beautiful, like I said, kind of kind of little poem of these of these metaphors. And I really like, yeah, um, what you're saying there, Michaela, that, you know, it's it's kind of telling telling this thing of you, you know, remembering all these instances where you're like, oh, yeah, that was that was the first time that, you know, I didn't do, you know, the, the normal routine kind of a thing. And I think that that's, uh, you know, very kind of kind of kind of tragic and uh, beautiful uh, at the same time. Um, speaking of which, we get into track number five, Blue Moon, which was the first single from the album. It actually came out about a month before the album, I think, to kind of kind of to promote and get people ready for the album to come out. Uh, the first line of this is says, I'm so tired of being alone, which is uh, the most absolutely 
like crushing uh, the way that Beck kind of delivers that. And it just is, is coming off of like the heart wrench from the last one. And you're like, oh, oh, my gosh, <laughs> my heart is not going to be able to take this for sure. Uh, apparently, the song had a lot of inspiration from the biographies of uh, Elvis Presley and talking about kind of the end of uh, his life and uh, his career and things there. And, uh, you know, probably also, you know, a tragic tale of loneliness there for uh, for uh, Elvis Presley, too. Um, there's some mandolin in the song, which gives it a little bit of character. Um, and I think, you know, this song is really just kind of examining, you know, the loneliness of this particular morning that Beck is telling us about. Yeah. I mean, I, I really want to believe that this was a uh, an entire experience that we kind of joined Beck through um, or, or within ourselves. And so, you know, you juxtapose this this, you know, saying goodbye and then being like, well, now I am alone and I, I might have felt alone before, but now I'm really alone. And how awful and sad that, you know, you've kind of moved on from that and you've said goodbye. And so now you're really experiencing what true aloneness is and being alone. A lot of, you know, a lot of people are fine with that. They don't mind being lonely and being alone. I th I think, um, you have choices in life where you can be alone and by yourself, or you could feel alone and be with others. Um, but th this song, um, I didn't know that there could have been meeting uh, or this could have been derived from uh, Beck's take on, on Elvis, but um, that makes all the sense in the world. When I see some of this, see the turncoat on his knees, a vagabond that no one sees when a moon is throwing shadows, you can't save the ones you've caught in battle. And um, that, man, that's really riveting when you think of it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's starting to get into kind of the, the more tragicness of that. Um, and, you, you know, Michaela, you pointed out, you know, kind of in, in the first track, Morning, that, that you can look at it pretty, you you can choose to look at it optimistically, or you can choose to look at it very pessimistically. But but I think, you know, kind of in the, in the telling of the story here, that obviously uh, it's taking a very, very pessimistic turn as these songs like continue to get darker and darker as we slide uh down into the depths of that um and uh it's it's getting you know kind of to the crux of it here uh before we take our album break with number six unforgiven um there's this dreamy kind of phase effect here on the synthesizer which is really cool uh kind of uh, uh effect sound for the synthesizer guitars stuff like that um i really like the lines here you know just let the engine run till there's nothing left except the damage done right you just you just keep letting uh your relationships or whatever you know just kind of burn until you know until there's literally uh nothing else and you know in an album here that's dealing with uh regret and remorse kind of throughout uh you know kind of this first telling here uh the idea of being somewhere uh unforgiven you know almost feels like the most scathing kind of self-indictment i think yeah, I, I remember very vividly listening to this song and um, I was going through um, some some beautiful countryside and I was like, man, this is really tough because at if you were in a place that's unforgiven, I, I always think of like the Wild West, you're in the desert, you're in this wasteland, um, which was not where we were, uh, but it kind of felt like it. Number one, we were in horrible traffic. And number two, um, this song, I mean, when you think about a relationship and you kind of overlay that and and create this as a metaphor for, for a relationship that is, is not going well, um, there are so many people that, that, that end up saying, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ride this till it dies. I'm going to ride that wave all the way through. And unfortunately, many times it's not a wave. It is literally an engine that's on fire. And that's really kind of where, this took me, it was, it was, I mean, it was, 
very much jumping off the cliff into some very dark, heavy spots for sure. Um, you know, somewhere unforgiven time will wait for you. Like will, you know, be as you get older, right. And, um, life is moving away. I, I think about friendships or, um, relations that, that have said, Hey, you know, I, I need to figure out what's going on with my current relationship. Um, mm-hmm. because I'm going to, I'm going to run out of time. And the older you get, the more that becomes more intrinsically in your head. Like, you know, you're not 15 and you're not 20 anymore. And so like, if you're not happy, what do you do? Do you, do you continue to let the engine run till there's nothing left or do you get off the, the train? Like, what do you, what do mm-hmm. you do? Uh, this, I, I, I really wanted to hate this song <laughs> because it's such a downer. Um, but I also really think that the, um, aside from the vocals, I really thought that that, um, kind of sweeping beginning was really special. And, uh, again, these songs kind of all bleed into each other. I don't feel like there's a beginning or ending. And that's why it was really hard um, to go back and like, just revisit a song for me mm-hmm. after hearing it the way that, you know, it was, it was probably created for just to listen to it all. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk about it here. Uh, actually now is a good time to talk about it, uh, because Beck knew that, uh, these songs are starting to get pretty heavy. Uh, they're going to continue to be, uh, pretty heavy. So we need to take an album break, Michaela, uh, for our own, our own sort of hearts, yeah. our hearts are, our hearts are breaking, uh, too much right now. So let's, let's, uh, let's take our album break here. So, uh, let's see. So it had been six years since Modern Guilt, Beck's previous album had been released. Uh, his contract with Interscope Records had finished. He'd, uh, finished, uh, making all the records that he was signed up to make for Interscope, uh, so no one knew if Beck was going to do anything else ever again. Uh, Beck included uh, at the time. He was like, I don't know if I'm going to do more music. Do I need to do more music? Is Does does the world want more you know, Beck music? Uh, kind of at this uh, kind of crossroads uh, sort of thing. Uh, you know, so... Uh, but I mean, you know, Beck had done eight albums. Plus, you know, there were some early kind of mixtape demo uh, albums there. I think three of those, so like eleven albums. Uh, he's won Grammys now. He's uh, gotten the adoration from other artists. What was left to do? To do so, uh, what does he do? He goes and he he says he starts writing music and uh, decides to make kind of an, a companion piece to 2008's uh, Sea Change. I think I might have said 2002 earlier. So, oops, uh, that's okay. Um, uh, so this. Yeah, so meant to be kind of a companion piece to that. Since Sea Change is a beautiful album, it's the same kind of kind of dreamy, but it's a little bit more, I don't know, not not like up tempo, but it's a little bit more has a little bit more rock and roll uh, kind of roots to it. But but same kind of vibe here. Um, and I mean to one day is to listen to these back to back and see if that changes how I feel about them. Uh, so. Morning Phase, you know, it releases in 2014. It deba- debuts at number three on the U.S. Billboard charts, and it wins three Grammys, uh, including the big one, Album of the Year. It won Best Rock Album uh, and Best Engineered Album. Uh, and at that Grammys, uh, there was there was there was some things. There was some things, Michaela. I don't know if you remember. I don't know how closely you follow follow the Grammys, but uh, Beck beat Beyonce for the album uh, Beyonce uh, that year, which was a surprise to everyone, uh, including Beck. Um, including Kanye West, who went up onto stage and uh, basically said as much while Beck was uh, receiving his award, because I guess that's what Kanye does is complain about things that are <laughs> that are winning. Uh, what I what I do like he did it um, kind of kind of jokingly because he'd done it to Taylor Swift before, like in uh, 2008 right. or something like that. I don't I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but his statement was that Beck should respect artistry, uh, which is really funny because, you know, at the time when they announced the the award winners, you know, they go through kind of the other nominees and they're like 5,000 people that worked on them. They're like, and here's Morning Phase by Beck, you know, 
written, produced, recorded by Beck. <laughs> uh, so I thought that that was kind of funny. Um, and, you know, no one else uh, really shared that same sentiment, Michaela, because apparently uh, other artists do uh, respect uh, Beck and vice versa. So Beck has collaborated with Lady Gaga on her album Joanne. Uh, he collaborated with all of the remaining members of Nirvana to perform The Man Who Sold the World at the next year's Grammys to uh, pay homage to David Bowie, which is, uh, you know, a Nirvana David Bowie cover there. Um, performed with Dave Grohl and St. Vincent at a 2020 fundraising event. He's produced for Cage the Elephant, uh, The Gorillas, Paul McCartney, uh, The Chemical Brothers, um, and Pharrell Williams, uh, who actually was also nominated for Best Album of the Year, right, for his album, right. Girl. Yeah. Uh, you know, he also, you know, a couple of the other ones, uh, Beyonce's Beyonce, I said, and Ed Sheeran's X. Yeah, Pharrell Williams produced all three of those albums, lost to Beck, uh, but then would go and produce uh, Beck's uh, 2019 uh, album, uh, which I think is uh, is pretty neat. See, even Pharrell Williams, who lost to Beck, knew <laughs> the genius of Beck. So um, I kind of like that that little twist there. So that's a that's a little bit kind of about the album. Um, I think it sold about uh, half a million copies, uh, something like that. So not like mind blowing in in terms of album sales or anything like that, but it was pretty impactful in terms of who like the artist was and his respect. Uh, plus, Michaela, it got us out to go see Beck. I've seen Beck a couple of times, but you and I saw Beck together. We did. We did. That might have been one of our first concerts. Um, and I remember very clearly we were sitting at a um, at a picnic table having a beer uh, and your beautiful bride was like, I cannot wait. This is going to be so much fun. I'm going to dance and dance and dance. And I was like, yeah. And then they opened with uh, this sweeping kind of big. It was very atmospheric. Right. And I had not I was not prepared. And I. uh was like, this, this is, this is not going to be, I mean, we still danced, but I was like, this is not going to be what, what I thought it was. It was a much more kind of intimate experience, even though it felt very intimate, even though it was in a really big um, outdoor stadium. Well, maybe not really big. Would we say that that's a medium sized for yeah, those of, for any, is it medium yeah. sized? I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it, it wasn't like the gardens, but it was an outdoor space <laughs> and it was, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. felt like for the bigness of what you, what you saw and what you had on stage, really, um, it was something it, it, so intimate and small, um, but it, it really shook your core. I think the sound engineering um, uh, was amazing because some of these, when you're talking about this atmospheric feel and sound, it didn't hurt. Um, it, it didn't hurt my ears. It didn't, sh it shook me, but it didn't like you, where you have bass that you can feel in your bones, like three weeks later, like it didn't have that. And it still felt like this umptious blankety, like wall of sound that just reverberated off of everything. And um, I remember feeling just very, lucky um because that was the first and that that has been the only time that i have seen beck yeah absolutely so i've seen uh beck twice we actually saw him in um i want to say it was 2016 uh and we went my wife and i uh because weezer was opening for beck and we were big fans of weezer um you know and we knew we knew beck right you know two turntables and microphone everyone knows that uh, everyone our age uh, definitely knows uh that song right those songs devil's haircut all that all that kind of stuff so we're like oh yeah we can go see weezer and then then we'll see beck that'll be good we know we know some of those beck songs that'll be that'll be pretty good and then beck was like so like 
outstanding live like totally like blue uh weezer out of the water uh weezer is great i've seen them a couple of times as well but beck put on this you know just this fantastic fantastic show so when he was coming back uh we we rallied the troops right we got you and your husband we got um our friends jake and karina uh, uh congratulations on your uh, new marriage we were just at this past weekend um and and we all went to see to see back and uh my my big fear was that my wife uh who absolutely you know just adored uh that first concert we went to said you gotta go you gotta go see beck because it's mind-blowing it's amazing he's so so great and uh has so much energy and stuff like that and then on a side note cage the elephant opened for beck and if you ever get to go see cage the elephant you should do that uh mark out yeah. some time to go see that because they're incredible right. um so so they were performing together and then yeah hopefully beck did not disappoint because uh spectacular spectacular uh musician spectacular um egg, you know kind of the the stage the stagecraft of beck um is really good and i don't know just kind of this next level uh genius kind of character so been interesting uh to see him a couple of times i think he's back on uh tour now this year with phoenix maybe i don't know how long that's that's running for but uh that'd be a good show too on a side note so um i don't know michaela we talked a little bit about it at the beginning here and we're going to get back into the the album here in just a second had um Obviously, I don't think you'd probably ever listened to this album. Um, and there were four singles from the album, uh, but I don't think you could probably pick them out. I don't think that the singles did particularly well because uh, this isn't really an album where you're just like, ooh, I want to go listen to Blackbird Jane. <laughs> you know, right, so. right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I remember being um, a little, not confused, but I remember kind of ticking off in my head. There were a couple songs during the concert that I was like, I don't know if I know this. Um and I remember asking you about it and you were like, well, there, you know, there, it would have been from this album or this album or this album. And so I remember listening to Beck um, to kind of prep for um, the concert. And um, because again, I, I wasn't a huge, I was a fan, but I wasn't like a huge fan. I knew all of the stuff that had kind of come out um, when we were, you know, in our early teen or teens. Right. Mm -hmm. But um so I definitely listened to this album uh, in, I don't know, ad nauseum during this this past weekend, trying to prepare for the podcast. And um, I was really, I don't know, I think Beck is really special because he creates these soundscapes that are that are really harrowing as a person. And if you, you know, you you're sitting there and it, it, you can you can get as deep or as or as light into it as you want. Um, but the fact mm. that he can do that on a stage in, from a, from a concert perspective is also really special because there are some amazing artists that are not amazing in concert. And then there's some artists that are amazing in concert, but they don't seem to do very well outside of, of the concert experience. And this, he, he's very special because of, as you said, the way that the, they engineered the sounds, the way that they presented um, kind of on stage, um, the look and feel of the concert. I don't know. It It's really an interesting experience. And, and it's one of the reasons why, even if you're not a fan of Beck's music or this album in particular, because it's a little different, there's still an appreciation that should should ha that you should definitely have. Exactly. It's like going going to like an art museum of of music here um, in this instance. Uh, and it's, it's pretty beautiful stuff. But, uh, you know, to to get back into the album uh, here now a little bit, Michaela, like I'd mentioned, you know, kind of before we took the album break there, these songs just keep getting darker and darker as we go. And uh, track number seven, Wave, is going to 
you know, carry down that path uh, a little bit more uh, darker here even yet. Uh, it's got some opening strings that are gorgeous and tragic. It does a really good job on this album, I think, of utilizing the strings to convey, uh, you know, kind of that melancholy uh, tone that he's trying to convey. Um, and this song here in particular, it almost unfolds kind of like a like a religious hymnal because uh, his voice is kind of echoing itself yeah. kind of throughout. Uh, but the subject matter here is anything but, uh, you know, religious uh, hymnal, uh, you know, uh, glory sort of subject. This is a really dark and it's kind of like towing that line, uh, that very thin, kind of very scary line uh, between being alone with your thoughts and uh, being by yourself, uh, which could, you know, uh, not go not go great. Uh, but wave here. It's a it's a beautiful, haunting, haunting song. Yeah, um, the the hollowness uh, I, I put in my notes, I've never thought I would think or look at the ocean and feel so lonely. I mean, it is this idea of this wave of nothing. And it's almost a relief, I think, at the end, um, when he just keeps saying isolation over and over again. It's like, yes, I just, I want to be alone. I am alone. Let's get it over with kind of, I don't know, this, um, I don't know, it's like a pressure valve release uh, of dark, darkness. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah, if I, I can say much more about it. I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, this and it's the bottom. It's the very bottom. It's the yeah, very I like bottom of the album for me. Yeah, I like um, I like what you just said there. The the pressure relief valve because yeah, it's definitely it's definitely kind of this uh, simmering thing, you know, not in like volatileness, but just in I don't know, kind of this place of depression almost. Um, which is you know, it, uh, like I said, it's it's tragically tragically beautiful. Um, but we are going to start to uptick a little bit here. Like maybe that was as dark of the depths as we needed to explore, and we're going to start um, you know, making making light of some things, Michaela. So track number eight, don't let go. Um, it's almost kind of like this acoustic song, you know, kind of through the first verse. It's just back and an acoustic guitar. And then uh, some more instruments uh, kind of start layering in, right? You get pianos, you get drums kind of coming in. Uh, you get like this call and answer kind of section that Beck is uh, singing and basically responding uh, to himself. And then you get the strings kind of coming in here towards the end. Uh, structurally on the album, this is one of my favorite songs. I like the composition of it. I like the way that it's kind of building uh, these different layers to it. Um, and I like uh, here the idea of asking for forgiveness or trying to reconcile, um, you know, especially after these first seven tracks uh, are basically, you know, kind of on this on this a downward downward slide but you get to don't let it go um you hit like you hit like rock bottom at wave and then uh you kind of maybe that's that's where you needed to get you need to hit rock bottom before you could ask um you know for some forgiveness and i think that that makes it you know here in this placement um very purposeful obviously back here in this album but it feels very impactful uh coming on the heels of wave i think yeah i don't know in my head i thought about this relationship that i thought was totally going uh horribly and now we were at, we were in the death rows. Like we, 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 we tried to make it work. We'd set the car on fire. It still wasn't happening. And now he, you know, I thought about this person uh, being hit by a wave of isolation and to uh, then this is the beginning of kind of picking up the pieces of that um, and saying, okay, well, what, what were the lessons that we learned? You know, what, what, what do we, what can we do differently? Not only with ourselves, but with others, what can we expect? Um, I, I really love the lyrics. Um, these there, these are some faults we found hollowed out from the years. Don't let them wear you out. Don't let them turn your mind inside out. Don't let it go. Don't let it go away. I really love that. That might be my favorite lyrics on this entire album because 
at the end of the day, you know, if this is a relationship, I mean, this is a different journey for anybody who's listening, but for me, I'm a romanticist. So I, of course I paired this as a, as a romantic relationship that was ending, um, taking, taking the bits of, of that, uh, and learning from it is really the beginning of your own inner healing journey and the beginning of healing for others. And then, yes, you, like you've said that asking of forgiveness and being able to forgive yourself and forgive the other person and kind of move on. Um, this to me starts to feel like the rebraiding, right? So we've had this complete undoing of a relationship and then figuring out how the fabric is going to, is going to work going forward. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, kind of kind of at the end of this uh, tale, all you're left is uh, with is a little reminder, a little memento of, uh, you know, kind of this journey that you've been on in track number nine, Blackbird Chain. Um, it's got a little bit more of kind of like this California kind of kind of vibe to Blackbird Chain. So it's a little bit more upbeat sounding. You know, it's not really like a like a surf rock sort of a thing, but it kind of is going uh, kind of in that direction as, you know, as aggressive as any of these songs are going to sound on this album, which is, you know, very, very uh, melancholy for sure. Um, I really like the symbolism here of this Blackbird Chain, you know, kind of this little trinket uh, memory of someone or some time or some place uh, in your life. Um, and I kind of like that as it's kind of like you know, kind of the the capstone of this story of, you know, waking up in this in the morning and kind of going this through this progression of of realizing that, you know, this relationship has has come to an end. And at the end, you know, you just have this little memento of, you know, your time together or uh, your place together or whatever that was. Um, at least that's how I kind of see what this Blackbird mm -hmm. chain was. So. Yeah. And I, the lyrics here, I'll never, 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 never refuse you. I mean, I think. Um, I think love is something that if it's real, it doesn't really go away. There's just a lot of stuff that gets put on top of it that make you make it easier for you to forget and see somebody differently. Um, and that's the thing of this little keepsake that you have will always take you right back to when it was good, uh, when you wouldn't have refused them, when you wouldn't have seen them um, as anything other than this beautiful thing and, and, and wonderful human and someone that you love very much. And so um, that's kind of neat. And I like the idea that it's an SOS, like an SOS from an outpost. There is on a common air. Now I could read you a brief account of a last frontier. We could come to understanding what's wrong as right as rain at rock bottom of a hollowed ground. We stake your claim. So to me, what that was saying was, you know, if we, if we could, if we can just remember that part of it when we think about each other. And so, you know, in the future, you wouldn't refuse each other it still maybe isn't going to be the same relationship. Maybe it's still ended, but I really like that kind of idea of, of chaining, chaining the the pieces of garbage back together to make some semblance of something mm -hmm. real. I, I don't know. That's, that's how it visually came to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, to, to put a pin in that, then we're going to get to track number 10 is phase, uh, which is another little, uh, string, uh, kind of interlude, uh, piece, which, which feels very much like the conclusion of the album here. It opens on the same exact string, um, a chord uh, being held from cycle, uh, but you know cycle has a little bit more kind of kind of upbeat positive in the chord progression. Uh, this one has a little more uh, kind of kind of downsloped uh, melancholic chord progression here, um, but it really feels kind of like the like the tone of where the album you know finally got to. It kind of ends on this on this melancholy here, right? It's not really not really optimistic, not super super tragic, um, but it just feels you know kind of like this melancholy kind of thing. You get to you know blackbird chain and you've kind of 
come come to terms that that is how um you know this particular relationship or how this day has gone this morning here um from morning phase uh which makes then track number 11 uh turn away uh it almost sounds like it's out of place on this album it is real close to sounding like it doesn't belong here uh because it's got this little kind of kind of weird intro um but as soon as the intro goes and it, it's very brief you know just only only a second or two and then beck starts singing you're like Beck, Beck is a genius. Uh, this makes <laughs> so much sense to me. Uh, yeah. I should never have doubted. I should ever said that phase should have been or sounded like the last song on the album. Uh, because no, because Beck knew that you had this whole tragic tale. Uh, but you have to move on, right? Hold the line that fixes you in time, uh, says Beck. Um, it's a beautifully written song, and it's a song about forgiving yourself and uh, forgiving yourself from the weight of your own words, right? We just had this, this, this horrible kind of. I don't know, avalanche of emotion that we went through. But Beck knows uh, that we need to be propped back up here at the end of it. It's okay to forgive yourself, even if things go bad. That's right. Um, And and also turn away from from the mistakes that you made, right? You don't have to make them again. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. know. To me, it was, hey, you know, you're, you, I didn't feel that this person had moved on or anything, but I did feel that this feeling of hey next time you know next time you get a shot at it don't don't do these things right don't self-sabotage don't create um don't use this as an excuse to not to not keep keep trying um you know don't don't turn away turn away from the sound of your own voice calling no one like i really thought that that was um that was genius and i was right there with you i thought the the album ended and I was I was really confused uh with Turn Away because I thought that phase kind of was the bookend. Um mm-hmm. because that's exactly how it sounds. Um but I love this. It's a little land yap. He gives us a couple uh little land yaps of of music to take with us, um, which is probably good because we were so broken. <laughs> I don't know. I at least I was. I was a hot mess at the end of this album. My yeah, God. For, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. You did you, you did you didn't need a break uh true but there are there are the three songs 11 turn away we just talked about and then number 12 uh country down so there's there's kind of like this trilogy here at the end of the song and the and the first song turn away is uh kind of uh you know a song about forgiving yourself country down is a song then about moving moving on right you have to forgive yourself and then you can move on um it's uh, more of a country uh type of a song here uh there's some harmonica which is probably like the bolt the most bold instrumentation on the album sure. like it, it sounds very bright and vibrant um but i really like it here um is kind of the second piece of this trilogy of songs um and then you get into the third one the final song uh waking light um this is a new day um the album leaves us you know with kind of a more hopeful awakening maybe than we got in morning um and i think it serves as a great uh capstone here for this little three three song arc that we get so you got uh forgive yourself move on and then starting starting over so uh what do you think here about our final two uh pieces michaela so I really loved the harmonica um, uh, in Country Down. I uh, it, it kind of woke me up, or, or in a way, I, like I wasn't asleep, but it kind of it jolted me right where I was like, "Whoa, what is this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really loved that. Um, and and Waking Light. I mean, thank God we got some sort of hope out of this because I think that this would have. Uh, this would have been maybe too much. They, I'm, I mean, again, Beck knows what he's doing. He's like, I can't, I can't leave them on this desolate journey and and leave them in the middle of, of nowhere. Um, 
So I, I really like the very last stanza when the memory leaves you somewhere you can't make it home when the morning comes to meet you open your eyes with waking light. So even even in the sense that um, things are really bad, uh, there's always a reason to open your eyes, open your eyes. And so, um, yeah, I really thought that this was a great bookend to this experience in general. Yeah, exactly. It is a great book. And um, the song uh, Waking Light here, it actually has um, kind of this fuzzed out uh, sounding guitar at the end, which uh, almost sounds out of place uh, on the album. But I think that it's really neat because it only comes in here for the final uh, just couple of seconds of music uh, that we're getting here um, in morning phase. And it's it's almost like like Becca's like acknowledging the fact that that this page has turned for him and we're going to going to go to something completely different the next album is going to be colors which is very much more this uh dance pop uh sort of album here so it's like he's uh given a little a little wink and a nod that you know morning phase has concluded and it's time to move on to something else as an artist who has you know reinvented himself a bunch of times over the i don't know the the 20 plus years that we've had him uh, in our lives for sure. So uh, that is morning phase, uh, Michaela. Um, like I said at the top, I was excited to kind of get your feedback on it because this isn't, uh, you know, like a like a typical album. You know, we talked about Beatles Love, which is kind of this more, you know, compilation yeah. thing where you're not pulling stuff off. But 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 this work, work of art, uh, dare I say, here really only really can only exist i think in an album form like it like yeah. none of you, you don't you can't pull like any of these pieces out they all fit together right. uh, too well but but what did you think about it as you know someone who's you know more more prone to listen to you know you know playlists and singles and things like that what was what was the experience of of listening to this like did did you like it did you not like it is it uh, well, too, I, I, too surreal or what what do you think it was it was it was amazing. Um, I came into it. I, I, and I have to say, I mean, this whole experience with going to music and doing drink the music has been amazing in general, uh, because of stuff that maybe I, I never would have listened to. Um, so it's been really educational and, and life-changing for me. Um, so for that, I will always be grateful, but I, in, 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 for this particular album, um, it kind of knocked me over with how, uh, emotionally, uh, absorbed, I got into it. And maybe it was because, you know, I was able to really focus. We were doing a lot of traveling. So I was able to seriously just sit and, 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 and listen in a, in a very different way and listen to it from beginning to end and then start over again after having like a minute to calm my poor nerves because it was, it was hard. It was very hard. Um, I definitely agree with you. This album is meant to be experienced as an album. I, I don't even know how the singles would have. I don't think I heard any singles on the radio. Number one, I don't know what radio station I listened to would have ever played these. And that's not a knock on um, the songs at all. I just don't know how that would have worked. And number two, mm -hmm. I don't have any idea how someone would have listened to this and then been able to go back to their regularly scheduled programming of life. Um, I needed a minute. My my poor husband was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just listening to Beck. Leave me alone. Like, that's <laughs> fine. Um, he was like, okay. I mean, I was a hot mess um, uh, <laughs> listening to it. And then I went back in for more. I think that this is a perfect album for someone who is able uh, and and willing to take the time to listen to it it's in, in its entirety even if you're not a Beck fan if you've never heard Beck if you don't even know who we're talking about because you know you're 20 whatever um, give it a shot because this is truly I think 
when we talked about like psychedelic rock in the 60s where people would sit and they do like illegal drugs um, and just kind of listen to music and let that expand their mind, this was definitely that minus the illegal uh, drug aspect. Um, mm-hmm. Could have been, mm-hmm. but I, I'm a I'm a law abiding citizen. So uh this it, it but it, but it could be that for anybody who who would like it to be uh because it definitely changed my paradigm and had me think about all sorts of different things and it not just because of the lyrics um and you know I love lyrics um and I can speak to them better than the musicality of it because of my lack of musical background but the lyrics are amazing but the musicality of this is also very sweeping and just like this atmospheric synthesized sound, it really creates an entire space for you to feel, um, which is so different than so many other artists out there um, that just, that create good music, but it di- just a different experience. And that's what makes music so great is that it's all, it all can hit you different. Now in a month, maybe I'll listen to this and be like, eh, it's okay. But for 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 whatever it was, whenever it was, it was definitely something, and I think that that is also part of Beck's genius. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, that is Beck's morning phase. So thank you so much out there for listening to this. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed uh, checking out Morning Phase. If it's an album that you're familiar with, uh, it's a good time to go back and revisit. If you've never listened to Morning Phase, you know, carve an hour out of your day or out of your weekend and put this on, you know, sit quietly, have yourself a light the beam cocktail and uh, just get into it and see what sort of emotional uh, journey you can get into, um, I think is, is safe to say uh, there with this one. So yeah, do that. Do all those things. Uh, let us know uh, what you think about the cocktail. Let us know what you think about Beck. Let us know if you think we should have done Odelay instead, which was something that I kind of thought, uh, to be honest, when <laughs> when I was like, oh, we're going to listen to Morning Phase. I don't know how that's going to go over. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, that you enjoyed your time uh, with it, Michaela. So let us know uh, what you think about Beck. Uh, let us send us pictures. Do all that stuff. You can do it on our Instagram and uh threads and blue sky it's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies uh go to the website www.drinkthemovies.com uh you can find episode recaps the uh, pictures of our cocktails all that stuff there uh and you can go to our patreon patreon.com slash drink the movies if you want to vote for the next album that's how we uh ended up doing morning phase here uh this particular week we got you know bonus episodes uh cocktail uh, episodes, all sorts of stuff over there. It's a great way to support the podcast. And the best way to support the podcast is to make sure that you like and subscribe. Michaela, where can they do that? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, X. I, we're on iHeartRadio now. Anywhere where Spotify podcasts are distributed and supported. Um, we're really easy to find. Wherever you're listening to us right now, I guarantee that if you look down at your rectangle, there's a subscribe button. You should press that button uh, if you're liking what you're hearing. And if you don't, don't don't tell anybody about us. But if you're loving what you're hearing, tell everybody you know. Um, give us a five-star review. Share us. Uh, share all of our stuff on social media. It really helps us uh, build the community of cocktail lovers and artistic lovers of music and movies alike. Um this, this is about the best job we I could ever have. I can't speak for Brian, but it's definitely the best thing I've ever done. So um, we're, we couldn't do it without you fans and uh, listeners. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. So uh, that's going to wrap it up here for Beck. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we've got a, a really good one uh, coming. One of Michaela's favorites. Uh, she's going to be excited to talk about that. The one, the only, the the five, the only. I don't know, I don't know how, you, how you do that. Fleetwood Mac we're talking about next week and a special bonus Fleetwood Mac cocktail coming to Patreon. So make sure you go and check that out if you are a fan of 
the Fleetwood Mac uh, stuff. And he wasn't, Michaela, he wasn't, uh, to be for sure. So nobody thank you so I much know. for nobody, <laughs> no, nobody, nobody I know. I, nobody I want to know for sure. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for that and uh, mix up a cocktail. And we'll talk to you next time on Drink, Drink the Music. The music. I'm so tired of being alone. Oh my God. Man, none of these, none of these lyrics are particularly uh, hopeful to say no. at the end, are they? Dude, at the end, you, I'm, oh, gosh, yeah. Open your eyes, turn away, don't away. let it go. I mean, there were. It's yeah. a new morning. It's a new morning. It's a new morning. morning.